0: good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth forever. We just want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise Worship Service this morning. We know that this is truly going to be a blessing as we worship him in spirit and in truth. We know we are living in some serious times as the winds of strife are being loose, but like David said, if it had not been for the Lord on our side where would we be? So we thank God for his grace. We thank God for his mercy. The saints of God are the ones who are standing in the gap. We are the ones that are interceding for this world. And that's why prayer is so important. If there was ever a time we need the Lord before, we sure enough need him now. And so the Bible says that in Second Chronicles uh, 7, 14, if my people, who are called by my name, would simply humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. We need healing in our land today. And so just, we just want to ask Jan Gray to take us to the altar of grace this morning.
1: Good morning. May we bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to gather here today, God, in prayer and praise and worship. We thank you for bringing us safely through this week, God. And even though we aren't physically together as a family, we thank you for the miracle of technology. God, we are so just awestruck about your love and your forgiveness, your patience and your kindness and your abundant blessings, God, that sustain us from day to day. Lord, we acknowledge you as our creator on your holy Sabbath day, God, and not just our creator, but the one who can recreate our hearts. And that is what we ask that you do for us. Give us a clean heart and a clean spirit, God, and forgive us for our sins. You know, our flaws, our shortcomings, those habits that make up who we are that should not be there. And so we ask that you will help us to fully surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will allow him to come in and do a full work in our lives, God of reformation. And Lord, we also ask that we do as you require, and that is to forgive others, God, to have a spirit of compassion and forgiveness towards those who've wronged us, God, even if they don't ask us, God, help us to forgive. Lord, we pray for our family members and our neighbors who are struggling with physical health issues, God, economic challenges, emotional issues, God, relationship issues, we just ask that you come in and that you will minister to each need. You know us better than we know ourselves, God. And so we just ask God that you will provide the healing, the comfort, the relief, the resources, God, to make us whole. Lord, we pray for that situation in Minneapolis and actually throughout this country, we constantly see instances of racism and injustice. And we pray God that your angels will be there in that city and other communities, God, bringing love and harmony and peace, Lord, And we know that justice may not be fully done here in this time, but that when you come, you will make everything right. And we're trusting and depending on you to do that for us, God. Lord, we lift up our speaker today. We ask that the Holy Spirit will speak through him to us, God, that our hearts will be attentive and receptive, that they will be fertile ground, God, for his words to take root, because we're asking that you build us up, God, so that we can help build up your kingdom. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning
2: and happy Sabbath, everyone. Um, it's stewardship time and we have a really, really good message for you today. The first thing I want to say is our latest financial uh, stewardship report is that is a good report. It's that we are reaching our goals consistently and that's something we all need to be shouting and saying amen about. Um, it's impressive. It speaks to our dedication to the cause of God and our trust in God under dire situations. It's easy to trust God when we're doing well, but when sometimes when things get a little rough, we may have a tendency to drop off, but we haven't done that. So I'm praising God for that. We are all tested daily to determine where our trust lie and who we are, det- who we are dedicated to just as those who lived in the day of Noah were tested daily as they saw the ark being built. We are tested today. Being faithful in our time, talent, temple, and treasure is a test, a test of our trust and love for God. There's many distractions that strive for our attention today. Um, And it also will shake our trust in God if we're not careful. So we're looking at dire situations such as jobs are threatened. Many people have lost their jobs. The coronavirus is stalking us daily, police brutality, rioting, and then there's the ongoing crime that was just going on before anyway. As we see these enemies stalking us, let us follow the example of Jehoshaphat. Gather as many as you will, as will join you, and go into a season of prayer and fasting. And let our prayer be, O oh, our God, we'll not judge them, For we have no might against this great company of problems, uh, this great company, and I'm talking about the problems we're facing, that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Let this prayer be not just a prayer, but our way of life. Keep being faithful, keep praying, stay focused. And these distractions reaffirm that Jesus is returning soon. Please stay focused and stay faithful. God is always with us. Have a great Sabbath.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord, Sister Carol, for those words. Staying faithful and staying focused. Amen. But we at this time we're, we're blessed once again to have our conference. President here is going to break the bread for us today and we want to continue to pray for Pastor Roger Bernard as he navigates us through these turbulent waters. We need the Spirit of God and we need to just intercede for him in our conference. But we thank God that he's faithful. And God has the right man at the right time. And we just thank him for just taking time just to break the bread for us today. And right now we're going to have Sister Beverly Stewart Anderson is going to bring us a song in this very room.
3: happy Sabbath, everyone. It's good to have each one of you um, joining us again at our Tabernacle of Praise worship service. And I am extremely glad to be here with you once again. Uh, We are thankful for all that God is doing for us and what God will continue to do for us. Uh, I'm excited about having this opportunity to share with you. And uh, we want to take a look at God's word. And so I want you, wherever you are, Whatever you have, whatever, if it's your phones or your iPads or your, your printed word, whatever it is, I want you all to grab it right now as we uh, take this moment to uh, share with you what God has laid on my heart this morning. And so if you would turn with me to the book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel, that's where we're going to spend our time studying today. 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to read a couple of verses for you, so I want you to hang in there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we will read verses 1 through 11. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we will read verses 1 through 11. Give you a moment to get it. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. I'm reading from uh, the New King James Version. So David arose starting in verse two again. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bel Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubims. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And other and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart, and they brought it up and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the Ark of God, and Ohio went before it. Then. David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord of all kinds of instruments, of firwood, of harps, of string instruments, of tambourines, of cisterns, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nikron's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the word says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he did die by the ark of God. And David came, and David became angry because the Lord outburst against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gidite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. I just want to speak to you for the next few moments on the topic, just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Let's pray, everyone. Father which art in heaven, we're thankful for this opportunity to spend time together, to talk. And we're asking, Lord, that as we look at your word, that we will gain great lessons, great information, Lord, that will stay, stay with us. And so I'm asking you to speak through me today. It is my prayer in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what would this world be like if people just did the right thing? think about it. Just do the right thing. What would the world be like? We are told that uh, the children of Israel had some pretty bad priests. They were were the preachers of the day. Their names were Hophni and Phinehas. They were Eli's sons. And those brothers were just straight up corrupt. And so we are told that under the leadership of Saul as king, they went out to battle one day and and uh, they weren't doing, they weren't faring too well. They were losing the battle as a matter of fact. And the Bible says that someone gives the command to have the Ark of the Lord, which symbolize the presence of God with his people, to have it brought out to the battlefield. So we're told that these two crooked preachers, Hophni and Phinehas, they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the place where they're having battle with the Philistines And when the Ark of the Covenant comes into the camp, the Bible says that there was a great roar, there was a great rejoicing, it was was so great that the Philistines, as they were camped in their camp, heard the noise that was going on, the thundering that was going on, and they said, what is this, what is the meaning, why are these people, we just whooped them. So why in the world are they cheering and and why are they excited? And maybe they sent out some of their spies and they investigated to find out, come back with a report that the ark of the Lord was with the children of Israel. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Philistines immediately became fearful. They were afraid. And they said, we're in trouble because uh, we know what happens with this God visits his people. We we know uh, what we know, the stories of what he did to the Egyptians, how he sent these plagues in and it destroyed the Egyptians. We know what's going on when, when, when this God gets involved. But nevertheless, we're going to fight anyway. And when they went into battle, when you know it, Hophni and Phineas were killed. Saul, Saul was put to death. Jonathan died. And we are told that, they, that the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and it took it back to their hometown. Uh, we know that when the reports came into Israel that Eli fell backwards and he died. And, and, and one of the boys, one of these the crooked preachers' wife was having a baby and, and she named the baby Ichabod for the glory of the Lord has departed Israel. Uh, they, they, so so here, are these, here are these Philistines now. They take the Ark of God, they place it in the temple of their God, Dagon. And when they come back, the next when the priest of Dagon comes the next morning, they find Dagon lying on his face. They lift it back up and and they go out and they come back the next morning. They find Dagon lying on his face again, head cut off, hands cut off. And then the word tells us that God began to send plagues boils and sores upon the Philistines and and all kinds of things were happening to them and, and they were in very much pain. And so they, they take that, that Ark of the Covenant because they recognize that this is God helping himself. This is God doing what he needs. He may have allowed them to take the Ark of the Covenant, but God was showing them that unless he shows up, that Ark would be just a box. And, and so, and so he began to wax eloquently in the Philistine area. And they took that, that ark and they put it on a cart and sent it to another one of the cities. And and when, wouldn't you know it, when that ark got to the other city in Philist, in the Philistine territory, people began to get sick and die and boils and all kinds of things were happening. And so the people after, after realizing that, man, God is not pleased. This great, this is the, this is the God that we know. They may have put this ark in this temple of Dagon God because they were able to take it in battle. But when God started showing himself eloquently in the Philistine territory, they said, now this is the God that we we know we've heard the stories about. This is the God that showed up in Egypt. Now here's what we got to do. Let's get two cows that just had babies and the babies are not weaned from them yet. Let's yoke them up to a cart. Let's put this Ark of the Covenant on this new cart, and we're going to give this 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 God, we're going to give him some offerings, uh, some some uh, Thanksgiving offering, because we want him to take away this plague from us. And we're going to let these cows just go by itself. Nobody's going to leave it. And if this Ark, if these cows leave their children who are not finished being weaned and leave and go about their way, then we know that this is of God. But if they don't leave, then we know it was, all of this stuff was a fluke, and wouldn't you know it? These cows went directly away from the Philistine territory back into the Israelite territory so that the Philistines knew that this was the hand of God. They went back into the the Israel and when and when the ark of God went into the Israelite territory, into the place where it would be, they they saw this ark. They the the people there, the, the, the priests there, they took. And what the Bible says is that they tore uh, broke apart this ark, broke the wood apart on the ark, and they constructed, they used it and constructed an altar and sacrificed the cows that drove, that drove the ark there. And, and God began to bless the people who were housing his ark. Now, you need to understand that the ark of God's, the ark of the covenant, his, that symbolized God's presence was gone for 20 years before David shows up and wants to bring the ark back to the headquarters there in Israel. And so that's where our story picks up. Bible says that David gathers together strong warriors and he calls all the people together because now they're going to take the ark of God, they're gonna bring it back. And David now who's king is going to place this ark in the tent that he had prepared and set up for it so that the people's hearts can be drawn back to God. Mm-hmm. And so it was a festive day. Everybody was excited. Can't you see the streets lined as if as if and we are told that, you know, I, I grew up in New Orleans and they have what's called Mardi Gras every year. And if you go out to Mardi Gras, there are people as far as the eye could see lined up the streets as floats come down the middle where I imagine this Procession being the same. We are told that, oh, that, that uh that that Uzzah and Ahio, uh, they are the priests who are now going to bring this ark so that it can go back to, to the to place that David has prepared for it. They they now what here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that they placed the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. Now don't forget that. Don't don't miss that. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and and Ohio was in front and and, 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 and other was walking along the side and, and David was in front and in the war. Can you see the war is there and all kinds of music is be playing, being played. They're playing on their tambourines and they have their, their horns and their, the whatever they have. And they're marching down the street. And the Bible says that David is dancing before the ark because the symbol of God's presence is coming back to his people. I don't know at what point it was, but but the Bible says that, 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 that the cart hits a hole, a crevice in the road, and the cart begins to shake, and other who's standing on the side of it looks and assumes that this ark is going to fall, and so he's going to help out. And he reaches out his hand. Now he's, he's trying to make sure that God's, this, this symbol of God's presence doesn't fall and is not broken in some way. Uh, 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 he's just making sure that he, he's going to steady the ark of God. And he reaches his hands out and he grabs the ark of God. And the Bible says something happens that brings this celebration to a speedy end. The Bible says that God strikes other dead on the spot. Remember, our title is, why don't we just do the right thing? Just do the right thing. The Bible tells us that Uzzah is stricken dead. Everybody is in shock and awe. The music has ended. David is no longer dancing. The soldiers are not marching and leading the way. The people are no longer clapping their hands and singing songs. Uzzah is dead because he reached out and grabbed on to the ark. Now, you need to understand, just before I give you three quick points, uh, you need to understand that there are a couple of reasons why Uzzah was stricken Why other was stricken dead. Uh, number one, I, and when you get some time, I want you to go back and read Numbers chapter four. Numbers chapter four. I want you also to read Numbers chapter seven, because it gives you this context. Uh, the ark of God wasn't supposed to be dealt with just in any kind of way. God had given very clear instructions to Moses as to how the ark was to be transported. Uh, the, The tribe of Levi were responsible for the ministry to all of Israel, and there were certain of Aaron's sons that had to go into the ark when they would move the tabernacle from place to place because they were traveling people at the time. There were certain individuals that would go, and their job was to go and cover up the 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 the, the ark and the altar of incense and table of showbread and candlestick with badger skins and what have you make sure everything was placed in in the right position and the sons of kohath was supposed to be the ones to carry the ark of god now the rest of the stuff could be placed on carts they were given carts but in, in Numbers chapter 7, it makes it clear that God says, don't give the sons of Kohath anything because their job is to carry. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Their job is to carry the ark of God, not put it on a cart, not not make sure it's wheeled around, but their job is to carry the ark of God. And so Ahio and Uzzah, they weren't the sons of Kohath. Uh, This ark wasn't supposed to be on a cart. Now, the Philistines put it on a cart. They didn't know better. They just were trying to get this symbol of God's presence away from them so that the destruction could follow. But the people of God were very clear on God's requirement. The instructions that God gave, the the people of God, especially the the religious leaders, they were clear on God's instructions. They just chose not to do the right thing. They put it. Remember, when the ark came back to Israel, they broke it up and they used it to sacrifice the cows that brought it there. And so they had to literally construct another cart to put the ark on instead of doing what God required and having it carried. So they were completely in violation even though they had knowledge of what God required, they were in violation of what God says, and it incurred the judgment of God. Now, I want to focus in, however, on David's response to God's judgment on the people who did not obey him. And we will find, as I bring out these three three quick points, we will find that we mimic David's feelings about God's response to our Disobedience now stay with me. And so when we go back into the text the text in 2nd Samuel chapter 6 verse 8 now That's why I want to start the Bible says the first thing that happened and David became angry David became angry the Bible says That even though they were not doing the right thing, when God's judgment came, David gets upset. Isn't that just like us? When, When things don't go the right way, when things don't move the way we feel they ought to move and how we think they ought to move, normally our first response is to become angry. We look for someone to hold accountable. And normally it's the person at the top. And we know that God is at the tip top. And so, if we lose, if we lose a loved one, if we lose a job, if we our bodies get sick, no matter what it is, it is always God's fault. And normally, God's people get angry with Him when something doesn't go right. We forget that there's an enemy in this world. His name is the devil, and it is his job to bring despair and confusion. It's his job to cause hurt and pain. It's his job to 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 cause calamity in whatever fashion it comes. They they but but the attention is never on the devil. You never hear people say, Oh, it's the devil. Why is he doing these things? We turn our attention to God. We get angry at him, and, and maybe it's because we know that he has power and he can stop what he wants to stop and he can move how he wants to move. But but God, listen to me very carefully now. God does not reward unfaithfulness. People who don't obey. God does not reward. Now I'm not saying that everything negative that happens is because of disobedience, but there are a lot of things that happens because we are not obedient. We do what we want to do. We act what we want, how we want to act. We, we just, we're just straight up sometimes disobedient. And when the judgment of God comes, we get angry. We get upset. We're told that uh, you know we're we're dealing with this corona right now and we, are hap- we 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 have to do things that are responsible like practice social distancing. Uh, many of you all, I'm sure know that as restrictions are being lifted, we saw just not, too long ago at the lake of the Ozarks last week at the lake of the Ozarks people coming together And they were they were all clustered together and there was no social distancing and people were Packed, packed together and they were they were all hanging out together, but let somebody get sick. Let somebody let one of them contract contract uh, corona let let that happen and there's not enough testing for them and maybe there's no ventilator for them to be placed on somebody's going to be angry and they're going to be picketing and they're going to be uh, fussing and complaining why is there not enough help for me but but the the problem is is that they just won't do the right thing the right thing is, is to make sure we stay social distance until we can get this thing under control. They just won't do the right thing, and so they become angry at someone at the top. We, they get angry at the hospitals because they are not enough ventilators. They get angry at the people who make the masks because there are not enough masks. They're angry at the people because they don't have enough task, uh, testing. And all of those things may be, may, be, may be correct. However, they don't ever point the finger back to themselves for not practicing the safety that has been instructed to us to keep us safe, angry, because we won't do the right thing. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now. Are you choosing to do the right thing? Uh, while, While God's judgment is not coming in a tangible way, are you making the decision to do the right thing? Why won't people just do the right thing? And so David got angry. But the next thing that the Bible says and found in chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible says that David was afraid of the Lord that day. So David moves from being angry to being afraid. He's mad at God. He moves from being mad. Maybe he had time to think. I don't know. What do you all think? Maybe he had time to think about it. He moved from being angry or mad at God to now he moves to being afraid of God. He said, "He says, man, God did this to him. Maybe God will do it to me as well. He was afraid. We, we're told that when the children of Israel were preparing to go over into the promised land under the leadership of Moses, that 12 spies were sent out. You all remember this story. 12 spies were sent out to spy out the land. They were to bring back a report of how they could take the land and that the land was just what God promised. When the reports came back from the spies, 10 of the spies said, this land is beautiful. It's flowing. Look at look at the, 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 the fruit that we brought back. It's these, this fruit is massive. This land is everything that God says it is. However, we cannot take the land. There are giants over there. There are people over there so big that we liken ourselves to grasshopper. And because of their report, the Bible says that the hearts of the people became fearful. They were afraid. And they literally begin to complain and says, it's better. It would have been, you know, we told you to leave us alone when we were in Egypt. It would have been better if we were in Egypt where we could die. At least we would have a place to be better. It would have been better for us to die off while we were in the wilderness. You brought us now to this land flowing with milk and honey so that we could be put to, we could be destroyed. The Bible says because of the report of these 10 that the people's hearts failed them for fear. They were afraid and it caused them to turn their back. On God. And this is what David was feeling. When when Uzzah was stricken dead, and you're going to find out in a few minutes, it was because of him. It was his own fault. It it was David's fault. It was was the people's fault and the, the preachers of the time fault. It was their fault because they should have given some instructions to David. The ark should be covered. The ark should be carried. No one should be just looking upon the ark it shouldn't be on a carp like the philistines you chose not to do the right thing and when god's judgment came you moved from being angry to now you're being you're afraid you're literally afraid of god you're not wanting to move with god you're not wanting to you're not wanting to 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 be in god's presence because you feel that god is a god that's too hard the bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is death you are not listening to me the wages of sin is death choosing not to do right can only lead to death choosing not to make right decisions to choosing not to be obedient it can only lead to death eventually the wages of sin the word says is death, but people, we we somehow we've forgotten about the rest of the text. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Are you getting that? God has, he tells us that sin leads to death, but he also says you don't have to die because you've been given a gift. That gift is called eternal life. That that's like that's like that's like someone bringing you a gift and you're saying, hey, wow, for me a beautiful gift. God, You're giving me this gift, and when you turn around and you walk away, I take your beautiful gift, and I say, get that out of here. God has given us a gift of eternal life, but we're choosing sin as opposed to eternal life. And when the results of a choice for sin comes upon us, we get angry at God. We become afraid of God. And when we become angry with God, when we become afraid of God, the next thing happens. And the same thing happened in our text this morning. Back to 2 Samuel, chapter 6. And uh, let me read verses 9 and 10. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Here's what the Bible says. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how... Can the ark of the Lord come unto me? So David, listen, look look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Don't, don't miss this. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. Did you all get it? Don't, don't miss this point. He was angry at God. He was afraid of God. And as a result of being angry, as a result of being afraid, he separated himself from God's presence. Let that drop on us a little bit. As a result of being angry with God, as a a result of being afraid of God, he separated himself from God. And we all know that this happens in real life. When things happen like the death of a loved one that we don't understand and we feel like, oh, God, you could have intervened. We separate from God. Many people have become atheists over negative things that have happened. And they say, where was God when I needed him most? And if he wasn't around when I needed him most, then he must not be around at all. And he separated himself from God. There were, pe- there were people who felt uh, there are people who have chosen. Maybe you're Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you came across this broadcast and, and you say, I used to be a regular attending church member, but the people in the church did me wrong. And as a result of the people in the church doing me wrong, I got angry with God because I felt like God should have protected me better. And you turned your back on God all, of, all together. You moved away from God all together. It happens every day that people become angry people become fearful and people separate themselves from God now remember they do they blame God for all of this when the fault of it normally points back to the individual not in every case but normally the fault points back to the individual and people separate themselves from the power that can get them through the most difficult times in their in their lives, people separate themselves from the power that wants to bring healing. People separate themselves from the power that wants to restore what the locusts themselves has, has has eaten. David was angry because judgment God's judgment fell. He became a fearful of God, and he separated himself from God. And I don't know who's listening right now. I don't know what's going on in your life, but maybe you've separated yourself from God because you've blamed him for maybe some things that are your own fault. You've blamed him for maybe some things that you chose not to do right. And so you put some distance between you and God. You you haven't prayed in quite a long time. Sometimes it's going to be important for you just to do Not sometimes, all the time. Just do the right thing. Because God restores. There's a beautiful song I love. It says, God restores. God restores. He restores every part of you, all of your being. God restores. And he loves us enough to give us another chance. So can I share with you what you're missing out on when you separate yourselves from God? Go back to the text, Second Samuel, chapter six, verse eleven. Let me tell you what you're missing out on. The Bible says this in verse eleven of Second Samuel chapter six: the ark of the Lord. Well, let's go. Let's go back to verse ten. Let's go back to verse ten. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Verse 11 says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom. It remained there for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Did you get it? David was angry with God. He was afraid of God as a result of being angry and afraid. He separated himself from the presence of God. The presence of God was with someone else. The word says, when you go back and read the whole story of 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, you will find that David was trying to keep an eye out on what would happen with the ark being over in Obed-Edom's place. The word says that God blessed Obed-Edom and he blessed all of his household. I don't know what those blessings look like, but man, if I just use my sanctified mind, I'm, I, I imagine their crops were growing more plenteous than everybody else's crops were growing. I imagine that they were having enough funds to do what they needed to do. I imagine that the children were staying healthy and the parents were staying healthy. And, and even though some were older, they were running around like they were young. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but the Bible says that God blessed Obad edom and he blessed also his household. And I want you to know that that while you're separated from God, you separate and sever yourselves from the blessings of God as well. And don't mistake it. Don't mistake it. Don't fool yourself by any means if some good things you think are happening while you're separated from God, because the devil knows how to reward people who walk with him as well. Those rewards may not be coming from God, but they sure enough could be coming from the devil to reward you, to make you think that it's okay to stay away from god to make you think that it's all right that you're in good shape uh turning your back on god and being separated from him but i want you to know that there is no blessing like the blessing god wants to pour upon this people who draw nigh he says you draw nigh to me and i will draw nigh to you i will draw nigh to you as you draw nigh to me there is nothing like the blessings that god wants to pour on his people when they are close to him and those blessings are not they'll never be fading blessings they won't fade away they won't go away. There is a promise that God has for his people who hold on to him and that, and who don't let him go. And, and no matter what happens in their life, hold on like Jacob who was warring with God. I'm not gonna let you go until I have all of the assurances of all the blessings that you wanna pour out on me. There is, there is beauty in the blessings that come from God. They do not fade. They do not go away and they end you up in heaven. They end you in heaven. They end me in heaven. Why don't people just do the right thing? Just do what's right. Some people say it's easy to do wrong, but I'd like to share with you, it's hard to do wrong. When you know that something is against what God requires, you don't have an easy time because it's the spirit job to struggle with you. That's why you feel guilty. That's why you could never be 100% comfortable. Why don't people just do the right thing? You might ask. You might ask. Was God fair? Was he fair? Well, I'm told that God allowed his only son. I read it. I believe it. To come to this earth, to die for each and every one of us. I mean, he took a cruel. It was a it was a cruel death. It wasn't quick. It wasn't easy. It was cruel. Think about it. They beat the skin off of him. Planted a crown of thorns. You ever been pricked by a thorn on a rose? That's nothing compared to the thorns that the evil people back then took and they pressed it on his scalp, piercing into his brow, blood running down his eyes and his face, beating him on his head. They blindfolded him and beat him with the, the palm of their hands, saying, tell us, tell us who hit you. Bloody, bruised, swollen from being beaten in the face skin torn off of you. They make him carry his own death weapon, his weapon of torture down a narrow street where that was lined with people that he came to save who were spitting on him. Maybe even shoving and shouting. Hellish looks on their faces. And watch him there collapse for he had not eaten, hadn't had any sleep lost a lot of blood, and he falls to the earth and is now wounded and bruised bodies, has the dirt of the street in the scars that are all over him. But he had Calvary in mind because he had you and I on his heart. And in his mind, he had to make it up that hill. And when his body just couldn't take it any longer, they got help. And now watch him there on on Galvary Hill, as they're pouncing spikes through his flesh. Now they're not careful, they're not careful to hit the nail on the head. So maybe it is that they missed the spike and it hit his hands, hit his feet. And he's there suffering on the cross. We're told that some of the strongest men lifted the cross and they, hear the words, they thrust it vigorously into the hole that was prepared for it causing his flesh to tear. Now, at any moment, he could have just thought of thought, father sent some help. And his father would have dispatched legions of angels to come down, wipe this earth out and rescue his son. But he stayed on the cross, controlled his thoughts because he had you and I on, on, on his mind. He wanted to make sure that we had right to the tree of life and that we could enter in, into the gates of the holy city, New Jerusalem, heaven. He has the right after all he's been through to tell us how to live. I'm sorry if that offends you. He has the right to have rules in place. He has the right because he's God. He bought us. He redeems us. He has the right to say, do this and don't do that. He has the right. Because he loved us greatly. I've gone to people's home before and on the outside of their door, they had a sign that said, no smoking. I can't. I can't just walk in their house and smoke if I want to smoke. Why? Because I don't have the right to. If I'm going to go into their home and on the door it says no smoking, then I got to do the right thing when I get in the home because they pay the rent. They pay for the lights. It is their property. And so God had the right to allow judgment to come on people who are being disobedient. I wish I had time, but I don't today to teach you from Revelation on the seven last plagues that will fall on people who just won't do the right thing. They they just won't do right. And so if you get nothing else from this message today, Walk away with this. Do the right things. Do the right things. Do what's right. Do what's right. Don't be like David in this instance, who was angry, who was afraid, who separated himself from the blessings of God. And the Bible says, you could, you could go back and read it. The Bible says, as he saw the blessings on Obed-Edom in his household, he went back and said, we're going to bring the ark of the Lord. We're going to bring this symbol of God's presence, but we're going to do it right. And this time, they didn't put the ark on a cart, but they got the sons of Corth and they carried the ark. And he was careful this time not to get too much in praise and worship. Even though they still praise and worship, but every so many steps, they had a sacrifice saying, we respect you, God, and we remember what you will come and do for us. And the glory of the Lord returned to Israel. Is it time for the glory of the Lord to return to you, to your home? And today, you could say to God, I'm sorry for not doing what was right. Making making choices to do wrong. You can say right now, I'm sorry, God. And guess what, guys? He is forgiving. He's waiting to forgive you. One of the most beautiful things is that he says, I'm not willing that anyone should perish, but that everybody could come to repentance. I'm so glad that he tells us in Ezekiel 33, 11, he says, Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die? And so, however you're watching this, if you're on Facebook, or if you're on YouTube, or if you're on Twitter, or wherever you're on, if you're on that, why don't you just put in the comment section, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Help me to do the right thing. Lord, forgive me. Help me to do the right thing. Just put that in the in the comment section. I want to pray for you as I close out. I'm going to give you time to type it in. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I want to do the right thing. I want to obey you. Give me time. Put it in the comment section. I'm asking that those tasked with following the website for the church, that you would kind of take note of the comments that are coming in right now just before we pray. Lord, just give you a moment. Give you a moment. I think this is important. Lord, forgive me. I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. You may be watching us for the first time. You may have come across our stream, and maybe you don't know God and the fact that he wants to pardon your sins. If you were put in that comment section, uh, can someone study with me? just put in that comment section, I'd like someone to study with me. And just give us a way uh, to contact you. Maybe your email address, or if you don't feel comfortable leaving a number, your email address. And then somebody from the team will contact you, and we will set up those Bible studies so that we can study more about God. Because I'm sure there are many questions that people have about God. Now that you've taken time to put your comments in, let's pray. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning, we want to do the right thing. And we don't always do the right things, Lord. The truth be told, we don't always make the right decisions. We don't always obey you. We sometimes choose to do what we want to do. There are times, Lord, where we, we get angry with you, and it ain't your fault. It's not your fault, Lord. There's an enemy in this world, but we get angry with you. And some of us are afraid of you, Lord, because maybe they've seen your judgment fall. Maybe they don't quite understand you. And there are some, Father, who've separated themselves from you. And they are missing out on the blessings, not just for them, but for their whole household. But thank you for letting us know that you want to bless those that you're with, that choose to be in your presence. And so I'm asking, Lord, for those who've commented, you saw what the comments were, no matter what platform they're watching on. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you will honor their request. I'm asking, Lord, that you will forgive sins. I'm asking, Lord, that you will start us anew, right? right. Give, wipe our slate clean, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, that you would do for us what we could never do for ourselves and that you would help us prepare to live with you eternally. For those who are looking for Bible studies, Father, help us to be able to connect with them so that they can learn more about you. And we're thankful for the Tabernacle of Praise Seventh-day Adventist Church that has put together this medium by which your word could go forth. As we go through the remainder of this beautiful day, let us keep in mind That we draw nigh to you with our whole hearts. You draw nigh to us, Lord. You will draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to you. In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a powerful message we just heard from the man of God. Just do the right thing. What an important message for this time in which we're living today in Earth's history. The Bible talks about how the love of many have waxed cold. We have seen so much injustice in this world. And we would say if if our government would just simply do the right thing. But God is looking at the people of God and saying if we, as examples, would just do the right thing and just be faithful. Let's be faithful Brothers and sisters, take this message and share it on your your page. Spread this good news, and we're going to be the example to do the right thing. That's our only safety, is doing the right thing and staying under the shadow of the Almighty, being obedient to God. Thank you, Pastor, once again for that powerful message. And we just have a few announcements. We just want to uh, remind you that at 2.30 today, Our Training for Disciple class, which is going to be led by Elder Lee Carroll. We're studying out of the book, Last Day Events, Chapter 11, Satan's uh, uh, Final Day, uh, Last Day Deceptions. You don't want to miss that. And also on Wednesday night, we just want to encourage you just to come in, tune on, on our prayer meeting. We need prayer today, Saints. We need prayer you cannot afford to go without prayers. We just want you to connect with us on our prayer meeting at seven o'clock on this Wednesday. So saints, praise the Lord, be faithful, and we'll see you uh, this evening, if not on Wednesday. So in this Eld- message... Elder,
3: Eld, I'm sorry to, yes, to butt in, but I wanted to also no mind remind everybody uh, that we have a United Day of Prayer and Fasting this coming Wednesday. Uh, the Central States Conference, we're going to be praying together. We're going to be fasting together from sunup to sundown. Uh, we're going to be starting at uh, early in the morning at 6.30. And uh, every hour on the hour, we're going to be praying for different things. We're going to send out the information to the churches. And we're going to culminate with a joint worship service together at 7.30 p.m. So you're all invited to be a part of that. And uh, we're looking forward to what God will do for us on that day.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's going to be exciting. Corporate prayer. So we'll send out that link to make sure everybody's tuned in and we'll be praying together. Because with as much prayer, there's much power. Amen. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. And amen.